I'm your host, Bree. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Bree podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Each week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic it is that they bought to me that week. A special thanks to Capital Factory in Austin, Texas, which is where this episode is being recorded. So this week's scheduled guest had to cancel unexpectedly due to some work stuff that's going on. They're fine. They just weren't able to leave their office. And so instead, I thought I would do a Get to Know Brie episode. So there's no guest. It's just me and you today. Um, I just posted about 15 minutes ago asking people to send me some questions so I can give you all a little bit more perspective about who I am and and what my journeys looked like. And um, and then the rest of the time, I'll just kind of give you my background. I've realized I've been doing this show now for about three months, and some of you have been listening because of the guests I have uh, have had on, or because we are friends, or someone else sent it to you. But I realize I've never sat down and just told y'all about me, and so that's what we're going to do today. So thank you so much for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Also, if my voice sounds weird this week, it's because allergies are really high in Austin. So, as always, I'll start with my guest bio, but this time it's my bio. Um, Given the title, The Love Child of Oprah, Beyonce, Michelle Obama, Brianna Jenkins is a public speaker, activist for the LGBTQIA plus female and people of color communities, and has years of experience using her platform to evoke change. Originally from Hamden, Connecticut, Brie attended Albertus Magnus College, a small liberal arts college rich in the Dominican tradition, which is where she completed her undergrad as a sociology major with a concentration in social work. Brie has over eight years of experience in the nonprofit sector. She has worked for a variety of organizations where she was able to serve adults and children with developmental disabilities, single adults and families experiencing homelessness, and was in development and community engagement at an organization that serves LGBTQIA youth and young adults. In January 2020, she joined Civitech, a software company who created a campaign integration platform that supports candidates running for public office and their staff members and volunteers. When not at work, Bree is involved in the Austin community. She is the co-director of New Leaders Council Austin's chapter and has served on the boards of Keep Austin Fed and Austin Black Pride. She has also appeared on panels and podcasts all over the city and recently spoke at the 2020 Women's March Rally in Austin, Texas, and Boss Babe's annual State of the Uterus event. She has also hosted another podcast and is now hosting this podcast, The Tea with Brie. On December 4th, 2019, she won the Austin LGBT Chamber of Commerce Rising Star Award and is currently nominated for the 2020 Austin Under 40 Award. 
So that's my bio. It's also really awkward to sit here and talk about myself. Um, a friend of mine and I were just talking today about how I always call myself the mini Oprah. And she told me that I need to start really standing up and pushing my name out and being very proud of who I am. So I think this was the universe's way of saying, listen, girl, it's time to hype yourself up and talk about your accolades. Um, so I will start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. Couldn't resist. So sorry. Um, so I was born and raised in Hamden, Connecticut, which is a pretty diverse city uh, back in Connecticut, right in New Haven County. And I grew up with two loving parents, um, and I went to a school. I was in a school system that was very liberal and very um, – we had a lot of privileges. Like, for example, I learned ice skating and how to swim and gym, and we took a lot of field trips, and we went – there's a lot of nature where I'm from, so we took a lot of trips outside. Um, so growing up there, I was very privileged in the amount of – um, things I had access to. Um, and in 20, sorry, 2006, my mother passed away at the age of 40. Um, I am the only child that both of my parents had. Um, so it was really tough being just me and my dad. Um, and then luckily I was able to have a community around me that really rallied around us. And so I was able to have people who still made sure I got to school and learned how to drive and, you know, was able to still play sports. Um, and so went through high school. If you didn't know me, if you weren't a real close personal friend of mine, you had no idea that my mom had passed away, which I think I mentioned on last week's episode. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like that was really the shaping point of my life. Um, in 2008, I graduated high school and went to Albertus Magnus, which is a very small liberal arts college in New Haven. I was originally a business major and then switched to sociology because I realized I hated numbers and accounting. Um, my dream was always to own a restaurant, which I think is going to be like my retirement dream. Um, and so I started doing sociology as my major in my senior. Let's back up. Um, and then in my freshman year, I got really involved in student government and residential life and student engagement. So I was able to join student government as the freshman president for my class. Sorry, freshman vice president. Um, I was playing uh, volleyball. I was also working two jobs, I think, at the time. And then my sophomore year, I was able to become a resident assistant. I did that for three years. Um, I became a student orientation counselor. I did that for three years. Um, and then my junior year, the senior class didn't want, no one in the senior class wanted to be president. Um, and so I rewrote all of our um, documents and made it so that we had different um, positions to hold. So at the time, it was every class had a president or a vice president. And then I changed it so we have like a president, a vice president, a treasurer. Um, all those kind of things that actually make up a board. Um, and then I also integrated our Alberta SAG Night series, which is still going strong, and they actually still use the the format that I created. I'm still really close with my advisor at the time. Her name is Erin Morrell, and I owe a lot to her. Um, she really saw my, angry, my, my anger and the ability to lead and really helped me harness that energy into something different, and I think that's what really changed my life. Um, Jumping back in, I was a sociology major. In my senior year, I had a full-year internship at an organization that served um, low-income families living in New Haven, um, and I was working in behavioral health. So I worked with children uh, birth to three, screening them for developmental disabilities, either autism or 
um, dyslexia or all those sort of other things to make sure that they were getting the wraparound service that they needed and then working with their teachers, their principal, and their parents to make sure all those resources were put into place. Um, after that, I then went on to work at a number of different organizations. The first one was Elf, nope, was in Middletown, Connecticut, and we were serving adults and children with developmental disabilities. Then I went to work at a school for children with autism. Then I went to work for Alpha Community Services, YMCA, which is where I first started working with adults experiencing homelessness. Um, when I was there, that's when I first got into fundraising work. I helped plan our walk to homelessness for two years, and it was two of the most successful years that they've ever had. And then I moved to Austin in 2016. Uh, I had visited Austin for four days. I went to a wedding in Dallas for three days and then flew over to Austin to visit my best friend, John, who was on the the podcast a couple weeks ago. And I fell in love with the city and all I had to offer and the energy and just being able to walk around downtown with no headphones in, not looking at my phone and just taking in the the amount of excitement that you could literally feel in the air. And so that was in September of 2015. And then I moved here in May 2016 on Memorial Day weekend. Um, two, two weeks after I moved here, the Pulse nightclub shooting happened. And so that's that was a catalyst of me coming out. And that situation, that incident, that total awful thing that happened really helped to push me to realize that I had to live my life to the fullest. Um, so I came out that, about a week after that, um, telling my family and friends and the people I thought that I should come out to specifically, um, and then started really living my most, my most authentic life. Um, for those of you who have not been to Austin, it's a very progressive liberal city, and I say that with air quotes, and we'll get back to that later. Um, but being here and the amount of opportunities I've been able to have since moving here, when I first moved here, I was working at Foundation Communities as uh, a supportive housing coordinator, which meant I was um, doing so on-site social work um, for residents that were in our affordable housing center. And then I went on to work at United Way for Greater Austin, which is when I got my first actual fundraising job. Um, I was only there for about six months, which is a whole story I cannot get into right now. And then I switched over to work at Out Youth for almost two years. Um, and I loved that job. I loved working with the folks over there and being able to bring in people and funds and and um, resources into that space. Um, and now I work at Civitech, which is an amazing opportunity. I'm really excited. I'm a partnerships manager over there, which means I'm helping get our software into the hands of candidates, progressive candidates who are running for office. Um, so that's a little bit of my like professional and personal background. Um, some of the things I also wanted to talk about was things that I've talked about on the podcast before. I felt like I haven't really delved into how I've gotten here. I did a speaking engagement at Texas State yesterday. Um, my friend Amanda works there and invited me to the Business Leadership Week. Um, and I got to sit down with a class of students there and tell them about why it is so important to be your most authentic self and how I've done a lot of the self-work of being able to be very vulnerable. And I got to share with them um, what it is like to be a queer black woman living in a very predominantly white city and how I've learned to take up space and use my voice and uh, pursue different things because I am so I have such a foundation 
of myself. I feel like I've gotten to a point in my life where we all know that we are our own biggest critics. So throughout my life, I have dealt with an eating disorder, either bulimia or anorexia, which started when I was 12 years old. Um, Luckily, I was able to get in therapy when I was about 16. So that was really important to my life, which I also was why I know mental health services need to be readily available to everyone. So please make sure you're registered to vote (laughs) by the November election. Um, And growing up in a place where I felt like I was not beautiful because I was not white or thin or my hair wasn't straight enough um, was actually has turned into one of the things that really helped mold me. I think because I was a person who never depended on what she looked like. Um, I always felt like because I wasn't any of those things, I had to make up for something, which is how I began to really focus more on who I was and not at what I looked like. Um, I've always been a really good speaker. I've always loved to read and find out new things. Um, and because of that, I think I was able to really mold who I am, um, which is why I think I have such a big personality, um, because I felt like if I couldn't be all these things of what I thought were beautiful, then I at least could be a beautiful person on the inside, which is something we're still working on these days because I was, I, while I am very confident now, it is a journey as we all know, and it wanes and waxes and there are days when we just don't feel good about ourselves. Um, but I think at the core of it, I have a solid foundation in knowing who I am as a person by me, by myself, not in conjunction to who I am relationally to anyone else. What I mean by that is I know who I am outside of being a sister or a friend or an aunt, which I know I said I was an only child, but my godparents, after me and my dad had our falling out, um, took me in for a little while. Um, and I mean, I've known these people my whole life, my godparents, and they have four kids who I consider my siblings. So that's where that comes from. Um, and so, yeah, so like I learned how to be my own person, how to really be solid in who I am, how I identify the things that I do. Um, and I think was talking to a student yesterday afterwards and she actually messaged me on Instagram and asked how I got here. And I said, it wasn't easy. It's taken a lot of work, a lot of meditation and yoga. And when I was religious, a lot of praying and really just getting to a place of personal acceptance and knowing, as my friend Christina says, that my, your weight is the least interesting thing about you. That number on the scale does not matter. And that was a really big thing for me to learn. And I'm so happy that I did because I think it's really helped me, especially in this year as I'm about to turn 30. I just literally have no more fucks to give. Um, I'm really solid and confident and self-assured. And although right now I'm going through a personal struggle of really thinking if I'm ever going to date again, which I know some people think might sound dramatic. Um, But recently, and I mentioned this before, Um, I've been having some really bad luck dating and I know it is because of how I've dated in the past. I'm really trying to overcome that right now. And also because I was, I come, like I was just mentioning, I have never thought that anyone would be interested in me because of what I look like. Um, and now it's a lot of people telling me that they're not ready to date someone like me. And it's usually the, you're doing so much and I'm not where you are, or I don't know what else I can add to your life. And, Blah, blah, blah. So a lot of these things that are making me feel like 
I'm not worthy, which a friend of mine was saying that, like, that has nothing to do with me. And I have really been trying to hold on to that as of lately. Because, I mean, there are people that, I mean, we all have our eye on at one point or another. Um, And right now there are people who I do have my eye on, but I'm really terrified to make a move, which I'm really working on this year. Um, And then also, like, I'm still getting over a breakup that I actually ended. Um, I recently was on that person's Instagram and blocked them because I they are dating someone new and they look very happy and I'm so happy for them. Um, but I definitely realized that I was a self-sabotager of relationships and I really did that with that person. Um, so I'm really happy that they have moved on and they have a new partner and they seem to be doing really well, um, which, again, really happy for them. Um But, yeah, as a person who tries to live very positively and believes in karma and is always just trying to do the least amount of harm possible in my life and try to make space for other people to also have that same sort of privilege and opportunity, um, it's been really important to me. So I think that's going to wrap it up for the get to know me part, and then I'm going to switch over and answer some questions. So we'll be right back after this break. And we're back. I'm going to answer some questions. I frantically posted uh, about an hour ago, not even, um, asking people if they could send me over some questions. And so here we go. I'm literally just going to read them off of my social media. Um, The first one comes from my friend Adam, and he says, What? song for a musical best describes you oh my god immediately rent comes to mind it's one of my probably one of my favorite musicals um and it would have to be the intro song the 525,600 minutes um i think it's just really something i've been holding on to and the lyrics are beautiful and it just talks about literally making every moment count um my friend kelsey please talk about your drive you're the most motivated person i know and it's amazing also talk about your skincare routine. Um, so my drive comes a lot from, again, just knowing that every moment is fleeting and passing. And um, I'm a big believer in that we have to make the best at every of every moment that we're given. Um, and then also being a queer black woman living in Austin, um, I know that I'm kind of like a unicorn sometimes in this city um, and then being someone who's very involved. And so I am really big about representation and growing up, seeing people who looked like me, but not at the same time, um, knowing that people like me existed out there, but then also not seeing them in the public eye enough. Um, so I think my drive right now is just knowing that I can sleep at some point. Um, I was joking with someone the other day that I don't really sleep. I just take naps at night. <laughs> um, just because there's so much stuff I want to do with my life. There's so many opportunities that are out there. There's so many projects and things and, and, and stuff to enjoy and take part in. Um, so that's where that comes from. And then my skincare routine is number one, black don't crack. So let's just start with that. Um, number two, I try to drink at least half a gallon of water a day, minimum. Um, doesn't always happen, but it's really for sure a big one. I also don't drink soda or really sugary things. Um, and then what I use on my face is, uh, African black soap, um, to wash. And then I use some sort of toner 
just to like after I wash my face to toner to like make my pores more smaller and to clear out anything else I didn't get. Um, and then I finished with an unscented lotion. Lately, I've been noticing my face is a little oily, so I, don't, I just haven't been using lotion, um, and that's been totally fine. But usually, I will finish with just an unscented lotion. So that's my skincare routine for you, Kelsey. My friend Heather, what things seem to come naturally to you as a kid, and do you use any of them in your work now? Um, I have always loved singing, and I think that's how I. I don't. I don't think I've ever been stage like had stage fright. Um, Growing up, my godfather's actually a pastor, and so I've gone to this church that I grew up in um, since the time I was born. That's actually, I think, how my parents met. So I went there my whole life, um, and even when I was little, I was kind of the ham I am now, and so just always doing theater and plays and singing, and so I think that's what's really helped me with my public speaking and having this show and just really knowing that, like, I have always loved using my voice, whether it was in singing or performing. Um, and so I think that's what I'm using right now is just using those skills from being really young till now of just knowing what my voice was and how it sounded. Ooh, this is like seven questions in one. If you were a spice, what would you be? Um, I think cinnamon and not just because it's brown, but because it's used in so many things, savory and sweet and very versatile. Um, instant pet peeve. I hate people who, hmm, I hate it when people who are always on their phone but never text you back is one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, also, I've been trying to be more intentional when I hang out with people so you don't have my cell phone out at like dinners or at networking events. Um, and that is not on purpose because I want to be in the moment and live with those people. I was actually out the other night and a friend of mine was like, hey, can I come meet you? And it was in a group chat with Caitlin and Alicia who were on a couple weeks ago. And Caitlin said to Alicia before they got there, like, Bree's not answering. And Alicia's like, no, Bree's never on her phone when she's with people. So I'm really glad that that's known. Um, scariest movie you ever saw. I don't watch scary movies. I hate scary movies. They Literally, I cannot sleep after I watch one. I think the last scary movie I quote unquote watched was, oh, crap, what is it? Oh, Jeepers Creepers. And I didn't even finish it. Like, I still have nightmares about the first Freddy Krueger. Like, can't even sing the song. It's a whole thing. Um, what's something that would seem super small to most people but changed your life? Um, I often think about when I am having a really off morning, like my alarm didn't go off or like my water's not on or I spill something. The other last week I actually spilled the smoothie after I made it and it was the most upsetting thing. Um, but my godfather being the pastor he is, he's always really big into everything happens for a reason. And so he had sent me an article once of like, when you have this really off morning, it's probably the universe keeping you from an accident or something happening. And like, it's pushing back your day to keep you safe from something. So that's probably one of the small things that I always notice when like things just aren't going well is that, that situation. Ooh, <laughs> my friend Sotvik, your favorite dinosaur The Triceratops. I just think they're really cute. <laughs> um, favorite East Asian restaurant? I don't have one. I'm really into Asian food, but I don't have a favorite one, so I'm, I'm taking recommendations. My friend Chris is a hot dog a sandwich. I would say no. A hot dog is not a sandwich. I just don't think there's enough to it. I mean, I guess if you add, like, all the stuff to it, like cheese and relish and lettuce and all that stuff, but I don't, I, I would say no. I don't think it's a sandwich. Chris, again, is it cereal, then milk, or milk and then cereal? So my friend Shelby and I just had this argument a couple weeks ago 
I guess I'm one of those people who are weird because I pour my milk before I pour my cereal because I hate having soggy cereal. But I'm glad because my other friend Sharuthi is also on team team milk before cereal. So I knew it wasn't me alone. And then Shelby did a poll and it was like 10% of people who did milk before cereal. So I see y'all. Uh, two of my coworkers, both Amy and Chris, who have asked, who's your favorite coworker? And I cannot answer that because I feel like a number of my coworkers listen to this podcast. So I'm going to say I love all of you equally. The, I'm going to give the, the parent answer of I love them all equally. Um, and then let's switch over to Instagram. How have you found, this is from Rocky, how have you found and maintained real nourishing friendships in Austin? Um, I want to start by saying that last year I went through a lot of friend breakups, and I think I'm still kind of in that season right now of really evaluating all of my relationships because I think in in our, we are all so busy as people these days. And I think we have to be really intentional about the people who we say we are friends with and spend time with. Um, my grandma always says, you are the company you keep. And I think we need to really hold that true. Um, and so I often tell people like not to be rude, but I, I know a lot of people. I don't have a lot of friends. And that is not to be flippant or rude or any of these. I just know how important it is to consider a person a friend and how much of an honor that is. Um, so with me, how I'm going to switch a little rocky, I, I, how have you found and maintained nourishing connections and relationships in Austin? Um, again, it's all about intentionality. I think right now everyone's like, yeah, we're going to get together. We're going to follow up. We're going to do this. But then there's nothing scheduled. Um, and so I'm the kind of person who like throws stuff in a calendar. Like if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. Um, and then also, if I meet someone, I will text them within like two days of meeting them. Like, hey, it was really great to connect with you. Can we do X, Y, and Z? These are the days I have open. So just giving them options right at the jump in the beginning of it all. Um, and then just being really upfront of like, hey, I'm going through a really busy time in my life. But if we, we can text or jump on the phone, I prefer phone to texting, by the way. Um, that would be very beneficial to me making sure I'm actually answering you and responding to you. My friend Meg just asked, what are you currently reading? Um, I'm currently reading Little Fires Everywhere, I think it's what it's called. It's actually becoming a show on Hulu um, with uh, Olivia, no, not Olivia Pope, that's her character's name, with Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon. But I want to check, double check that that's actually the title of it. Yeah, Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste, I think, ing it's ng um and it's really good i'm like on chapter two um and then i was re i just finished reading a book about the dc sniper i'm very into true crime um i started a book about israel keys who was another prolific serial killer um but then i got scared so i stopped um and then i was also reading the book um let me see if i can find it Oh, it's the book Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Um, she is the woman who was uh, a, was raped and attacked by Brock Turner a couple years back. Um, and she wrote a memoir. She actually reads the Audible. All these books are on my Audible, by the way, because I'm always in the car. Um, but she wrote, an, she wrote a book. It's on Audible. She reads it. It's very moving. I had to pause it because I kept crying in the car. Um, but it's really well written, and she's a freaking powerhouse, and it is an honor to be able to hear her words um meg i also answered your question because she also asked for my skincare routine um who my friend shelby asked like 30 questions i'm going to try to read them all who are some of your favorite advocates um 
I think right now, um, Janelle Monet and Lena Waithe, two queer black female presenting people, using their platform to also represent so many people who really don't often see themselves. I think anyone who puts themselves out there as a way to represent marginalized communities are really, really empowering. Um, advocates, I mean, any, I'm going to switch it to activists also. Um, I mean, people who are doing work in, again, speaking up for marginalized groups, um, anyone who's out there doing thankless work that goes unnoticed, anyone who's running for office right now to make life some, make life easier for other people and give those folks space and a platform. Um, but I mean, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anyone else. I'm sure it'll come to me later. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? So I'll be turning 40 in 10 years. Um, I see myself as a mom. I think I will probably have two kids. I plan on adopting. Um, maybe I'll have a kid of my own. Who knows? Um, but I know I want to be a mom. Uh, I was telling someone the other day, I've always seen myself as a mom, but not not as someone's spouse specifically. So I think I might be a parent by myself or a single parent, which I would love to be a part of that really admirable group of people who are raising children on their own. I think being a parent is one of the most selfless things you can do. However, at the current moment, I'm not ready to be a parent. Um, I also see myself having traveled a lot of places. Um, one of my dreams in life is to live in in uh, England for at least a year. So hopefully that happens um, before or after I become a parent. It doesn't really matter. Um, and then I also probably see myself not living in Austin anymore in 10 years. I think I'll probably live somewhere that has seasons again. Um, growing up in New England with it being beautiful there for, you know, we have four different seasons except for uh, winter. I can deal with snow. I can't deal with snow aside from my Christmas morning. So, yeah, that's probably it. Shelby asks, what is the dating scene like in Austin as a badass queer black woman? Um, your girl's not really getting anything out here. I don't like the dating apps. I don't like texting. I'm a face-to-face -face sort of person. Um, so, But I'll also like go, uh, I'll grab dinner with, not to say literally anyone, but like I'll go to dinner and have conversation with all different types of people. And I have been hearing that I that people are intimidated by me. Not that I'm intimidating, but they don't feel comfortable to coming up and talking to me and asking me out. Um, but nothing being in that 2020, people. So if you want to holler at your girl, slide into the DMs, I, I guess. Um, oh, Shelby, what is your favorite thing about yourself? I think I have a very contagious laugh. Oh, I, and I'm, I also really love to sing. Um, I'm going to go with laughter. Um, I laugh with my whole body. And I and I think laughing is such an experience. And I think we, we take it for granted of how joyous it is to be in a moment that has made you so happy that your body literally has to expel energy from it. So I, I think my favorite thing is when I get to laugh with my full body and you can hear it, a very loud laugh. Um, but yeah, that's probably the thing I like most about me. You seem to have so many friends. How do you balance work, advocacy work? How do you balance work, advocacy work, and life? Again, my Google Calendar is my best friend. Um, I'm a per like I schedule dinner with friends in my Google Calendar, and I send them the invite. Like I'm a person who has to have that in my life. Um, 
I also balance in the fact like I will also schedule time to do nothing and just sit in the moment and meditate and have no phone and all that sort of stuff. And a friend of mine asked me if I have any like downtime by myself. I'm like, yes, but I have to schedule it, which I know sounds a little bit unhealthy, but I'm like an extra extrovert. So like being around people brings me a lot of joy. So that's my balance. What are some local LGBTQIA orgs that you love? Um, here in Austin, I love Out Youth. I worked there for two years and I loved it. Um, the Kind Clinic is doing great work. Um, Alicia was on and she is a part of Interact, um, doing intersex advocacy work. So I love them. Um, and intersex folks aren't really often talked about. So I want to make sure we talk about that. Uh, the Trans Education Network of Texas, or TENT, um, they're doing really great work. My friend Rocky and his wife Sarah will be on later this year. Um, HRC Austin um, actually holds a really close place to my heart right now, not only because a lot of my friends serve on their board, um, but a couple years back we had some issues and they really sat down and talked with me about how to make things better. Um, and we're still working towards it now. Um, Austin Black Pride, where I was a board member, and I think Sheldon's kind of running the show by himself right now, and I think he's doing really great. We're actually having dinner this weekend to talk about an event for the summer. Um, and I'm sure there are other ones I'm forgetting. Um, there's a local org, and I want to say it's Zest. Um, they're, if I'm thinking correctly, they, one of their founders, and I think the person who was running it just passed away. Um, but he, that organization was offering health care to trans individuals, and I think that's really important. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot more that I'm forgetting. But, I mean, I really appreciate the work that those orgs are doing. What has been your least thing about living in Austin? What's been the most favorite thing about living in Austin? Um, my least favorite thing, number one, has to be the traffic and that there is no really good public transportation or fast transportation. I would love if we had a, tra a train or a rail line or a subway or something. Um, I also hate this notion that Austin is this very liberal accepting city, which it is. Don't get me wrong. Compare to the rest of, te of Texas, it absolutely is. But with me doing work on, on advocacy and activism here, I have also ran into a lot of people who will say they're liberal and progressive, but then be some of the most hurtful people with their rhetoric or the things they say or what they do. So I think it's this really weird intersection that we're in. My most favorite thing is that I can be outside about 90% of the year and it be beautiful out. Either it's sunny or it's warm enough. Um, so just being able to be outside and just enjoy the weather. Um, and then there's always something to do here. Like always, there's a place to, there's a new place to try to eat. There's a place you can go hiking. You can go walking on the trail. You can stand up paddle. I mean, there's just so many options. And those are all the questions that I got on that Instagram. Let's switch over to the Tea with Brie Instagram. My friend Noah, who was episode one, is moving to Portland, and I'm not okay with it. But Noah just asked, will I visit Noah and their partner Meg when they move to Portland? And the answer is yes, because I love traveling. But you'll hear my voice, and I'm very sad that they're moving. But I'm excited for them, sad for me, so I will visit. Um... Noah also asks, how do you approach networking and staying connected with people? Um, I'm, like I said, I'm just very intentional. Um, I know that we are never promised tomorrow. And if I meet someone, either personally, professionally, or out networking, I really want to connect with that person. I really want to take the time to get to know them and the ways we can help each other. I meet people all the time. And I said, like, like if we never connect again, 
I just want to I want to leave this conversation knowing that I helped you in some way um, if it's in a professional setting. So I'm really interested and continue to do, to do the work of connecting people who I think would be really good together um, in whatever their um, interests are. So that's kind of what I've been working on lately of connecting those people. Let's see if I got any text messages and I think that's going to be it. Um, my friend Pedro texts me and goes, you talked about moving to Texas without a job lined up. What kept you grounded while you were working and in, walking into the unknown? Um, so when I moved, when I decided to move to Austin, I actually gave my job at the time like six months notice. I told them in like October that I was moving to Austin in the spring. And... Um, I didn't get a job until a week before I left for Austin. And I had already had my apartment lined up. My friend Michael was moving with me. We were going to be roommates. He was getting into town a week after I was. Um, but I I had such a sense of peace in knowing that Austin was the place I needed to be. Um, and I was telling my family, like, listen, if I don't find a job in social work, I will go back to working in restaurants. I'd worked in restaurants since I was 16. So like I can either be a server again or I can work back of house again. Um, so just knowing that like no matter what, I would figure it out because I wanted it so badly and I knew it felt right. Um, and, and it did. I mean, it, I mean, I got a job a week before I left. So just trusting the universe and that things will work out. Um, Pedro then asks, in general advice, my students were just talking about catching feelings for one of your friends. So how do you navigate what's the best policy? This is a really tough question for me. Again, today has just been a really interesting day. Um, I used to have a very strict don't date your friends rule. Don't hook up with your friends rule. It makes things messy. Um, and as of lately, I realized I put that rule into place because I – Having lost my mom when I was really young and then me and my dad not talking, I'm really afraid of losing people in my life, which is why I think I don't end relationships typically and why I, I accept a lot of shit in friendships, which I'm working on this year. Um, so with me, like catching feelings for a friend, hadn't, catching, feeling, catching feelings for a friend and navigating that is still really new for me. Um, I think if you... And this person can have an open and honest conversation because we all know communication is key and say, I really feel like this could be going somewhere. Um, I'm interested in you and I don't want things to get weird after if things don't work out. Um, but I would like to see where things can go because life is too short. And I feel like we both have a really beautiful thing here. Um, so I think just being open and honest and upfront and then knowing that, no doesn't have to be a bad thing. And I think that's something I'm still really learning. Um, I've mentioned it before of my godfather saying that it's not rejection, it's redirection. And I think we sometimes want something so bad in life that when we hear no, it is earth shattering and can be so so destructive to us as people that we don't think we'll get over it. But... I think we need to also remember, I mean, Beyonce said it best, like sometimes it's the best thing you never had. I mean, we 
sometimes think we know what's best for us in the moment and then something else comes along later. Um, And then as someone who has dated someone who I was friends with and like now I'm navigating what that looks like not dating them, it's really hard. Like I want to be honest with that of watching, you know, that person date after uh, us and you know, being happy for them as a friend, but hurt as a person who dated them and, like, us not working out. Um, so, I mean, it, sometimes it also totally sucks. Um, but I also want people to know that that doesn't take away from your value or your worth of you as a person. Um, and that there's so much to offer and so much good that's still going to come. My friend Alex from work and next lot of work, um, goes, I know the answer to this question, but I think you should address where you find your extensive glamorous jumpsuit collection. So um, since I started, started this new job, I've been making more money, which, hallelujah. Um, and so I've been really redoing my wardrobe, and I have become aware of jumpsuits. Or as my friend Roseanne calls it, grown-up pajamas, which I also 100% subscribe to. Uh, I recently bought a jumpsuit at Old Navy for like $15, $25, um, but it came in three different colors, so I bought it in every single color, um, black, orange, and green. And then my friend Meg went and I went to the mall on a really stressful Saturday morning because we had an event that night and I needed to find a dress, which is the red dress. That is the picture that I'll post for this episode. Um, and I found this beautiful jumpsuit in Macy's by this brand I think called Tahari and it was a little out of my price range but I mean also I could afford it because you know that's where I am right now in my life and I wore it yesterday to my speaking engagement at Texas State and it was the most comfortable jumpsuit um it fit beautifully it was just the best material um so those are the top the two jumpsuits I have right now from Old Navy (laughs) for $15, $25, and then Tahari, which is like $108. Um, but, I mean, I'm also the queen of, like, finding everything on clearance at Target and Old Navy and at malls. So I also really want to learn how to thrift this year, which are people, like, learn how to thrift. I'm like, yeah, there's, like, a science to it. My friend Adrian and my friend Corey are, like, really extensive thrifters, and I'm very jealous, and so I want to go thrifting with them one day soon. It's, like, at the top of my list. My friend Sam... How do you keep your cup full when you're constantly giving your time, love, and energy to others? Um, Like I said before, I love being around people. Um, I come from a very large family. My mom is one of five. My dad's one of three. My godfather, I think, is one of six or seven. And my godmother is one of four. And then I have so many cousins. I have so many aunts and uncles. I have so many people in my life outside of my family. Um, So I've just always, like, been this person in the middle of so much love and I think that's kind of what I've been trying to give out my whole life um and so like I think just hanging out with people and connecting with people and giving that time of saying like I see you I understand you I hear you um is actually I'm actually sort of filling up my cup when I'm filling up theirs and it's been this really beautiful relationship that I've been able to build with so many people When you first found your activist voice, did you encounter more or less pushback than expected? 
with me working in a lot of nonprofit jobs, I that's kind of how I really started my activism was I was representing the people who I was working with and actually serving. Um, and I think the the example that sticks out in my mind is I was working at Alpha Community Services, which I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, um, and I had been working with this landlord who was this older gentleman, very wealthy, and owned the building where we were where my clients lived. And so we had a meeting one day and I was telling him how there was no heat in the apartment that my resident was in. Like literally their heat was not working in the middle of winter. And I called and the gentleman told me, well, tell your resident, tell your client to put on a sweatshirt. He does not need to have his heat up. And I was like, there's literally no heat. And the guy was like, well, he can put on a sweatshirt. Like just very dismissive and flippant and not having any sort of decency for humanity. And I think that's when I first started realizing like people don't give a shit about other people. Like there are people out there in the world who are just so self-centered. Um, and so I think that was the first time that really got me into activism. And so we had a meeting. <laughs> And my, oh, another one of my biggest pet peeves is when people talk over me. It's, it's for me, it just says that you don't really care what I have to say. So why am I wasting my breath? So to answer that pet peeve question from beginning. Um, so I'm sitting in this meeting. It's me, my, my, the person, my coworker who also oversees this site with me, our supervisor, the landlord, and then his management team. And so we're sitting there, and I'm, like, answering questions from his management team. And as I'm answering, he's talking over me. And at one point, I just stop and look at him, and I, and he looks at me, and he goes, what? I'm like, well, since you want to run this meeting and talk to yourself, I'll just stop talking. And I visibly saw my, my boss get uncomfortable. And the gentleman goes, I'm sorry, what? I was like, you keep talking over me, and maybe everyone else lets you do that, but I will not. And so when you decide that you're going to stop talking and let someone else talk in this meeting, then I will, then I will continue. Um, and so he stopped talking over me. And every time he went to talk, I would just stop and look at him. Because I'm, you have, I have found you have to set the, pres- the precedent with people early. Um, and then another example, I was working at that same job. And at the time, the CEO or someone really high up in the company, every time we had a kickoff party or an event or what have you, he would come, but he would never remember the names of the women at our company, but remembered all the men by first name. Um, So he would go around and say hi to all them, shake their hand, hi, hello, good to see you, Mark and Joe and blah, blah, blah. And then he would get to the woman and have to stare at their name tag before he would say hi, which to me just said that you, to me said that you cared more about the men who worked here than the women. And so I stopped wearing my name tag to events. And the first time I the first time when I met him again and we're at an event and he shakes my hand, and he goes, oh, my God, it's so good to see you again. And like is visibly looking for a name tag that I do not have on, which I did on purpose. And he looks at me and he goes, you're, I was like, I'm not wearing a name tag. He's like, yeah, I'm like, we have met 10 times and yet you never take the chance to actually learn any of the women's names. And I watch you walk around this room and notice all the men and know all their names. And so uh, my name is Brianna Jenkins and I bet you'll never forget it again. And sure as shit, he did not forget it again. Um, but that, that was probably one of the things too of like pushback of being in these spaces where people think – that because they're at the top, they know the most and they don't 
most of the time. Like the people who do the day to day work are really in it and grinding in it. Um, and then so for me, it was that was probably the the two that really set the tone for me. Um, but to answer the question of when did when you first find your activist voice, did you encounter more pushback? More or less pushback than expected. Um, I think I really got into activism when I moved here. Um, and then people who live here hear that I did nothing but like go to work and go home back in Connecticut. They are shocked. But um, being here and being very vis- visible and having so many and being so intersectional, um, a lot of people here have either given me space or asked me to come and give space or invited me to do things. Um, so being here in Austin, I have been met with a lot of welcome and love and acceptance, but I know that is a very privileged thing for me to say. So I'm very big on helping to create space for others. Um, I got a, I got asked to do a panel in a couple of weeks that I cannot do. Um, so I asked the organizers if I could send them a list of people who I thought would be great, and they were they accepted me at my word, and they said yes. And so I've been able to get a couple of people who I know who aren't usually invited to things to be on that panel, and I'm very excited to be able to do that. What's the most important lesson you've ever been taught? Um, there was a quote I want to say or something I read about love. And just because someone loves differently than you does not mean that they love you just as hard it's just not the way you do or something along those lines not gonna cry um and I feel that a lot I love very hard I put my heart into everything um when I do a project all of me goes into it um and so with me dating or being in different jobs or, or roles or organizations, I have always held on to that of someone may not do something to the level that I do it, but it does not mean that they are not just as invested. Um, it just might look a little different than what I would do. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably one of the, the biggest lessons I've been taught. Um, and then also like John and I mentioned on his episode, um, his mom always has said that everyone is replaceable and it's not meant to be this really rude thing. It's this way of making sure that you remember what you have to offer, but then also remembering what other people have to offer too. Um, so yeah, remembering that like you might be in a position that you're in today and it might not be here tomorrow. And I think we need to really remember that wherever we are, it is a privilege to be there and we should be fighting to stay there um, for as long as we want. Um, but then also like knowing that you also have that power to replace things in your life that aren't serving you anymore. So if a relationship is bad or a job isn't going well or you feel like you deserve more in anything, you are also able to leave that. If you could send one message to the people who are misunderstanding what you represent, what would it be? I am a human being like you are a human being. I fuck up. I swear. (laughs) I am going through this messy existence of life like you are. I'm not going to get it perfect. I am not perfect. No one is. Um, And I'm just asking... And returning to you um, a level of 
acceptance and tolerance and respect um, and knowing that we are both human and just trying to get through the best way we know how. And then our final question, what's something you would tell your five-year-old self, 13-year-old self, and 18-year-old self? And this came from Cassidy, and this is a really great question, Cassidy. I'm really excited that you sent it in. Something I would tell five-year-old me. Five-year-old Brie was really cool. I remember her vividly. Take more naps. Number one, I, my, I wasn't allowed to take naps at preschool <laughs> um, because then I would be up all night. I'm both a night owl and an early riser. Um, and so my mom would not let them let me take naps because I would be up all night. Um, so take more naps. I mean, even if your mom gets mad. <laughs> uh, 13 year old me, hug your mom more. She won't be here forever. Um, ask her so many questions, um, how your parents fell in love, what she wanted to be when she grew up, what it was like being pregnant with you, what time you were born, um, what's a place she always wanted to travel to. Just ask her all the questions you possibly can and have her write down everything. An 18-year-old me, the world does not owe you anything. Um, life has been rough for you these last three or four years um, but you are going to get through it and you are going to be forged from the fire that was meant to burn you you are going to come out like a phoenix on the other side um, love yourself and if you can't love yourself love someone who loves you know that you are deserving of love and good things in your life um, hug Nick and Dave so much longer than you did um, tell them that you love them because they won't, they won't be here much longer. Um, and tell your friends what they mean to you when you get the chance. And I think that's going to do it for today, everyone. I want to say thank you for having patience and listening to me. Um, I'm so happy that I got to be able to share a little bit more about me with you if you want to know more about me outside of my podcast, um, my Instagram is B-R-I-O-N-A-J-E-N-K-I-N-S, Brianna Jenkins. Um, and my website is BriannaJenkins.com, and it has all of the things that I am doing and um, places you can see me speak. Thank you to everyone who sent in a question. I really appreciate it. You helped really fill in this time that I have at the studio. And that's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at theteawithbrie at gmail.com. And visit the website, theteawithbriepodcast.com. If you're interested in being a guest, in the upper right-hand corner, you can click Be a Guest, fill out that form. Do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. We're also available on Google Play and Spotify. This podcast was recorded at Capitol Factory in downtown Austin, Texas, and a special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music. And I will talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye.